Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers lose Thursday night 111-110 to the Clippers at the Crypt. And what better way to celebrate, Andy, than with a crossover episode with the Locked on Clippers guys, William Updike, Charles Mockler. They're going to join us for the show and we'll get going next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, or perhaps Locked On Clippers your first listen of every day, or a special shout out to the people who press play on both at exactly the same time. <laughs> podcasts are free wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and every day, Monday through Friday, uh, great stuff. Uh, William Updike, Charles Mockler, they are the hosts of Locked on Clippers. They are joining us for a crossover episode. Guys, how are you? It's nice to meet you. Good to meet you, too. I'm stressed after that game, but, you know, feeling happy and looking forward to the inevitable play-in matchup that we have with these two teams. <laughs> we, Can't wait. We, we were talking about that, William. Um, I, I want to say on Thursday's show just how – after all of the lead up and years and years that we've heard about Lakers Clippers, it's finally happening in the playoffs. This goes back at least 15 or so years with, you know, the Kobe smush Kwame team that lost three to one in the opening <laughs> round against the Suns after the Clippers had handled their business against the Nuggets. They ended up getting eliminated the next round by the Suns. If we finally end up getting something playoff adjacent between these two teams and it's the play-in the basketball gods just hate la i don't know what the hell we did william to offend them but clearly we did yeah i i mean i i guess like on one hand that's how you draw interest for the play-in uh so you know i'm not gonna say it's a fix but who knows you know who knows <laughs> lebron is fine He's yeah, fine. so is Kawhi and PG. I saw Paul George bowling. He's he's bowling switch the other night. That almost seems fine. Oh, what what if all of them, like LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, like they all make these grand entrances right before the play-in game, like WWE style? Like LeBron removes the cast, like the fake cast, while sitting yeah. in the wheelchair, like whatever that long-haired wrestler was. And Kevin. Kev I was oh, Kevin yes. Nash, actually, I believe. Oh. Uh, Kawhi's coming down from the Raptors like Sting. We already know that that's oh, 100% happening. Good. I'm glad we figured all of this out. This is fantastic. <laughs> it's Apple time. At that Wasting it on one game. But still. Well, this was, I mean, but like, it, it, we joked, but this was a really significant game because, um, you know, there is a huge difference between being the eight seed and being the nine seed when it comes to the play in because. If it's the if you're the seven or the eight, Minnesota won uh, Thursday night, so they you know they they gained a game. They're actually now two games over 500, so the Clippers keep pace with them. The Lakers are now a game and a half behind the Clippers and two and a half games behind Minnesota. Um, but you know if you if you can stay in that seven eight spot, you only have to win once to get into the big boy playoffs. If you fall to the eight or nine, you got to win twice, and so. Um, it is a big deal that the Clippers managed to win this one and the Lakers' comeback fell short. Um, I, I, at what point – we'll start here with Andy. Um, this pattern the Lakers have had uh, all year of falling behind big, making a feverish comeback, usually they don't have as much time on the clock as they had 
on Thursday. Usually they don't pull ahead like they did on Thursday. Were you surprised that they let this get away? I'm never going to be I mean, surprised. I shouldn't. Work. That was a stupid <laughs> I mean, way of putting it. The hell kind of question is that, man? Have you been? But you understand this? what I mean. Like, did you? Let me put it this way: Did you think they were going to win? I actually maybe that's think, better. I did actually think they were going to win because it really felt like the momentum had shifted in their direction. Like they were really feeling this in a way where it's like, okay, maybe that talent gap that is there right now with. No Kawhi, no Paul George for the Clippers, and the Lakers at least having Anthony Davis, who is the best player on the court in this situation, and Russell Westbrook, who is, even with all the stuff that comes with Russ, he's one of the probably five best players on the court during this, or at least can be oh, one of the five scathing, best players. That is a scathing indictment of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> he, well, and, and there he is. I'm just saying, I'm it just, is, because look, the other man, guys are Nick Batum and Marcus Morris and Serge Ibaka hey. and Reggie. Well, I was counting Malik Monk. I was counting Malik Monk. I was counting a couple guys on the Lakers. Um, but either way, I mean, and Russ really had it going in the fourth quarter. Malik Monk had it going in the fourth quarter, and I don't know. I mean, Charles, it, it it felt to me too like the like the Clippers sense that this thing was getting away from them too. It, it it wasn't even so much like the all the Lakers, but like the Clippers felt like what the hell, man? Like how did they, how did these guys get back into this thing? I mean, you go zero and eight to start the fourth quarter. Like so, with every Clippers game, you talked about how the Lakers have had these furious comebacks and then come up short. Story of the Clippers, too, but sometimes we happen to come back down from 35 against a horrible Wizards team. But you start the fourth 0-8, there was a drought coming for the Clippers. We've watched enough Clippers games to know that there's going to be a three-minute drought at least. But this was a very long drought. And then uh, this team just doesn't – I know it's just so corny, but Ty Lue talks about it, too. Like, they've just drilled down that the, the game's not over, you know. Um, and I think – while technically this was a Clippers home game, I think they were fueled off some of the, you know, the the crowd noise going crazy. I mean, after that AD oop to kind of put you guys ahead, I was like, that was a really well-run play. Like, I don't know. But then we saw Reggie Jackson start to skip with the ball, and everyone in the stadium knew it was over at that point, I think, if Dude, you were a Clippers fan. <laughs> that was, William, the body language of a man who said, I have decided I'm going to take the final shot for my team, win or lose, everybody get the F out of my way. I mean, Reggie, you knew. I mean, I guess everybody but Russell Westbrook, who was defending him rather casually. <laughs> and Austin Reeves. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, w William, it was really clear. Reggie Jackson made up his mind. He was going to put that thing up. I mean, he's a hugely confident player, and it's like one of the things I love and hate about Reggie Jackson. Like, as Clippers fans, we call it the, we call it the Reggie Jackson roller coaster because, like, there is some beautiful ups, but there is also a lot of downs, and, like, you just kind of have to ride it out. But the thing, like, he's never shaken. You know, he's one of the guys, and I, I admire guys like that who can be, you know, 0 of 8 from the field. It doesn't matter. They're going to take the shot. Uh, and he saw the matchup that he liked, and, you know, We've seen him with a couple of times with these game winners this season, and I love that he has the confidence. And, like, you know, these are the moments, these are the ups of the roller coaster that get me through the really scary down parts. No, it sounds, I'll be honest with you, it sounds like you're talking about Russell Westbrook. I was just going to say, it only, costs you, it only costs you $10.5 million to ride the Reggie Jackson <laughs> roller coaster, whereas the Westbrook <laughs> roller coaster is a lot more expensive. Um, and it's like Westbrook you know, it's may have been kind of a mentor to Reggie Jackson during that period in OKC. 
That's a good call, actually. That's a super good call. Well, I so think Reggie, I think Reggie likes lighting Russ up, and like it was funny, like yeah. that last play. I mean, clearly, I, I think he knew the Lakers were going to switch, and I think he knew he was going to end up with Austin Reeves on him. And quite frankly, for the Lakers, that's a much better deal. We, Reeves is a much better defender than than Jackson is, although stopping Reggie on the dribble with no help on you know. <laughs> What Russ was doing with that sort of soft double was useless, and Monk was late, and AD wasn't there. Like they left Reeves on an island, and you know Reggie Jackson's a role player, but he's a really talented offensive role player, and, and you know they didn't give him much help. Um, but had he just ended up on Russ, I don't think it would have ended any differently. <laughs> if, anything, <laughs> if anything, Reggie probably dunks that ball. Um, what was it? Interesting for me in this game is okay. So Serge Ibaka, we have to talk about the fact that Serge had what twenty and nine and two blocks. What is the Lakers' situation where they're having AD not guard Serge? He's out on the perimeter, kind of guarding perimeter guys, and Serge is kind of getting to feast on those smaller guys. Okay. I I loved it obviously. This but... is something I actually Brian and I talked about this after the loss in Atlanta because. Uh, the the Hawks were getting all these looks where a Kongwu was just going nuts on lobs or you know drives and getting uh, dishes where he's running baseline stuff like that, and they kept they kept setting up and I, I even rewatched the fourth quarter. It wasn't like AD was getting pulled away from the basket on switches, and you know they ended up with Stanley Johnson on a smaller guy and, uh, or as a smaller guy on Kongwu. That's how they were setting up. Yeah. And I didn't understand it either. I actually asked a couple uh, a couple of people we know who cover this team, you know, did you see that too? Did you understand it either? And none of them did. This is just sort of <laughs> what they're doing at times. Like they're they're leaving a lot of this to to either Stanley Johnson or, or other guys and I don't quite get it either. Is that a preservation thing like for the postseason where like maybe you you, you just hope to well they, you know, get everybody two games to get in. If it is, that's kind of <laughs> arrogant, William, right now. Fair, fair. <laughs> I, I I you know what? This is a, a perfect opportunity uh to to seg to our next topic because Andy and I really want to talk to you guys about uh former Lakers head coach Ty Lu. Um <laughs> briefly well he had a cake and everything ready to go yeah. briefly was the head coach of the lakers uh but now of course uh across the building across the hallway in the building uh with the clippers because um the, the coaching for both of these teams i think is a is a major talking point we'll get into it next Locked on Lakers and Locked on Clippers, both brought to you by Bet Online. There may be less football being played right now, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season, from scores, totals, and playoff performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot. You, you for say all that like they're shooting him out of a cannon. You don't know where he's going to end up falling back to earth. It's it's just which, by I the mean, way, would be a really intriguing way to fire coaches. <laughs> That's how they used to back in the seventies. 
<laughs> what a then Congress got involved and said you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Bet online is the number one spin <laughs> for all things NFL betting in 2022, and it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the games start. Okay, so um, Lakers fans, the Lakers organization, all of these things. Like you know, Frank Vogel, his um, his job security has been um, a talking point, we'll <laughs> <to> say, <laughs> since about Game Three. Sure. Um, and you know, the, I I I don't think the Lakers going to make a coaching change between now and the end of the year. I do not think Frank Vogel will be back next year, like unless the Lakers win a title. Meaning, I don't think Frank Vogel will be back next year. <laughs> but Ty Lue, I think, is given a lot of credit for the fact that the the Clippers are are at five hundred, that they're sticking around, that they're in the play in uh, with it, maybe an outside chance to move up, depending on when when the you know Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard get back. Before we get into the sort of the comparison of those guys, you know, William, we'll start with you. Like, what is Ty doing that works so well that has got this team going well and people talking about him as a coach of the year candidate with a 500 team? Even looking back, by the way, really quick, William, to last year in the playoffs mm -hmm. with losing Kawhi during the playoffs and, you know, the Clippers really performing very well in the Western Conference Finals, all things considered. Yeah, I I mean, I just think that he is like one of those coaches that's a great motivator of men. Like he just gets a team behind him. I, you know, this team, like in its current era, has had two head coaches and like just the stark difference between, you know, the the playoff endings of both of those coaches, uh, just the belief that he has instilled in everybody across this roster. And it's one of those things that's like easy to talk about. I mean, like every coach is going to talk about that they, you know, believe in guy one through 15 or whatever. But uh, for whatever reason, like he connects with everybody and everyone's role is so drilled in and so clear that everybody on the floor has like it. It's a trickle down effect that actually works uh, where that like that belief in everybody is carrying over to everyone on the floor. Uh, and I just what he's been able to do shorthanded, um, you know, like there are times where I'm like head scratching at some of these rotations, especially like in this game against the Lakers, that fourth quarter. I thought we rode a little bit too long with a bench unit that could not get a bucket. But I mean, it, he figures it out like he, I, I it's what he had the hand he has to deal with is so slim and what he's been able to do with it like i i am continually impressed do you think at all charles that his background as a point guard and just like the the specifics that come with running a, an offense running sets and just sort of having to understand personnel in general i mean even as somebody who was you know, a journeyman point guard, never a starter, never like high level. This this was his gig as a player. Do, do you see any connection like that? Am I reading too much into trying to figure some of this out? No, I think you're totally right. Um, I think he's he's one of the best tactician coaches just in the NBA as well. Like he, I mean, yes. 
people give LeBron a bunch of credit for the chip they won over the Warriors, but you still got to outcoach Steve Kerr. <laughs> he played a role, against. Charles. Yeah, he, he did. He helped a little bit with that. And you look at the he the should guys get a little that, credit. Yeah, and you look at the the guys that he's played with as a point guard. He's played with Michael Jordan. He was on those Lakers teams. He's played with complete lunatics who are obsessed with winning and want to do it the right way. And he has to be their point guard. So they need him to be really good and drilled in with everything. So I think you're totally right. I think, I think that absolutely plays a part in it. And I think, I mean, there's stories of the bubble where Ty Lu talked to Doc about, hey, maybe we shouldn't play Trez so much when the other team is absolutely killing him on the floor. And Doc basically just saying, no and we all we all saw how that worked out no. so yeah yeah he uh he wheezed at him but yeah like that i mean he has respect to the players because of the championship caliber he's a very intelligent coach and yeah i mean he just he has them actually believing in themselves where i think doc rivers kind of got guys believing in the moment as opposed to the whole end goal well, you know, I'll tell you, like, the, the biggest difference that I see between these two teams, and some of it is, I mean, look, I, I don't think Frank Vogel's a bad coach. Um, He's a Lakers so, fans. Also, we love Frank Vogel. Like, as a coach, the defense that he had you guys playing when LeBron and AD was out last season, like, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> right, and that's, and that's what I want to get to because, like, well, I, I Lakers fans, I think, are so frustrated at this point that they just decide, they've, they've decided that the amount of floor time that Avery Bradley gets – is why the team is three games under 500. Like if, if Avery Bradley played 10 minutes instead of 20, yeah, <laughs> um, like they'd be 10 games over 500. Um, and I and I say this as somebody who really doesn't think Avery Bradley should be playing. Um, and <laughs> You're I, preaching I to the choir. Frank. Oh, we know. Def- I defend Frank for all kinds of things. I cannot defend him for that. But the Lakers are a bad offensive team. Especially so are the Clippers doesn't play, and so are the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are a bad defensive team. The Clippers are not. Um, Personnel wise, that's what I see as one of the biggest differences in these two teams because the Lakers are a brutally difficult team, particularly again when LeBron's not playing, to make good defensively. Whereas I think the Clippers have more of a group that you could say, well, if everybody's playing hard. They could actually play a little defense. That last play of the game on Thursday night was a perfect microcosm of what's wrong with the Lakers defensively, where the help doesn't come. Your point guard is sort of helping, but not really. And, you know, you give up what essentially amounts to an easy, uncontested layup to Reggie Jackson. And so, mechanically speaking, is this a Lou thing or is it? some degree the roster or a little bit of both the fact that the clippers can play consistent defense which keeps them in games it's a little bit of both i think from the roster construction we've seen an emphasis on like these two-way wings uh that can kind of do a little bit of everything like we like the versatility to be able to go small and it's you know like it's a double-edged sword right because isn't this why every year the conversation is that the clippers need a real point guard and that's what the problem is with the team uh Uh, But like, might I say the conversation with the Lakers this year is they could use a wing (laughs) or two or three or particularly a two way wing. So maybe we'll take one of the too many that you have. Uh, So it's definitely a little bit of both. But Ty, you know, does know how to get the best out of these guys. Um, But there's also just been and I think Nick Batum is like a huge part of the defensive identity of this team, uh, because like what he does on the floor, like he is to me. 
I don't know that many other like cat like a casual NBA fan would really think this, but Nick Batum to me is like an unmovable asset. Like what he does on both ends of the floor and like at how he's able to basically make every lineup a little bit better. He can plug a hole almost anywhere. Um, it, it is one of those things that like, yes, roster wise, we are kind of fortunate in that way, but it's also just uh, just that same kind of mentality of getting those guys into those sort of spots where like their skill sets can be utilized. That's interesting too, just because Nick Batum and Reggie Jackson are both <laughs> these reclamation projects that the Clippers have had over the last couple of years and Nobody was quite sure how that was going to end up working out. And, you know, both those guys were not coming off the most shining moments of their careers. And, and I think it, it speaks to whatever Ty Lue does in terms of seeing what players, you know, seeing what players can do and bringing out of them. But it, it also just seems to me, and, and I'd be curious what you think of what you guys think about this, because it's probably the biggest area of contention that I have with Frank Vogel that doesn't have to do with just specific questions about rotations or whatever. I don't think he's a very creative coach, at least offensively, if nothing else. And it seems to me from the outside looking in, and a lot of this can be the, you know, you don't watch it when you don't watch a team game in game out, you can develop certain rosy impressions, but Ty seems like a really creative coach on top of some of the other things he does. Yeah, I think Ty, Ty and Spolster are the two guys where it's like, if you just gave them a new 15 every game, you're still going to probably get a creative offense. Like, there were, there's games where Kawhi and PG will be out and Nick Batum still getting nine clean three-point looks a game. And you're like, how is this happening without the gravity of these two guys? Like, that that in and of itself is, like, incredible when he gets those attempts off. But, yeah, I mean, I he's a tactician. Like, he, he just knows what he's doing. And it's funny because with Doc, when Doc was shorthanded, like when we had shorthand, you know, rough schedule, guys are out. Doc was great when he was forced to kind of throw things at the wall and see if they stuck. Tyloo's kind of always in that mode, but mm -hmm. he's also an infinitely better coach. <laughs> so I think it helps it out. And that's what this is what one of the things like I, I again, I think the Lakers are not gonna fire Vogel at um before the end of the year. I I could be wrong. If they did it, they probably need to do it around the all-star break. Give yourselves a give yourself a chance to kind of have a few days. But implement Rambus. Exactly. <laughs> God. <laughs> Coach there Kirk. is no other team. I say it as much as I possibly can. There is not another of the 29 other teams in the NBA uh, or perhaps even in the G League that would let Kurt Rambus <laughs> that close to the levers of power <laughs> um, or levers. If you prefer, I prefer levers. Um, but like, I don't think they're going to fire Vogel. I also don't think they're going to bring him back, but I also wonder if they're, what they're going to replace him with because they had a chance to pay for Ty Lue, who I think is one of the five best coaches in the NBA. Um, I think he is in that upper group of these sort of elite guys like Spo that that make a difference in how many games you win you know independent of the roster that you give them most other coaches will take a good roster and they'll make it good uh, a bad roster they probably can't rescue and then there are a few guys in the league who will drag down good players vogel somewhere in that middle group i don't i just don't know if they're going to go out and get somebody better and pay for somebody better if that person is available because i don't think rob Polinka values coaches very much either that or just the team has decided that's not where their budget is going but it doesn't do you a lot of good to fire frank vogel if you replace him with frank vogel and that's sort of my 
my take on this whole thing. That said, they only gave him a year last year in the offseason. If they go back into next year, they're only going to give him another year. You can't keep doing this. So either yeah, change coaches or commit to Frank Vogel. Um, Andy, what do you think they'll do? Um, I think they're going to ride it out for this season. Uh, mm-hmm. If for no other reason, than I don't think they're going to want to pay Vogel a, a, a year and a half not to work. I think they'd rather pay him a year not to work. <laughs> So that I, I mean, in all honesty, I think that's the big. That would be the biggest reason if they don't. Other than just the Lakers skidding out of control in a way where it's obvious, just they're they've tuned out Vogel for whatever reason, or it's become clear they don't like him. And for what it's worth, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the boiling treatment. Yeah, you don't want. You yeah, don't want but I, I don't think no, that's the case. It's actually at all. in some ways it's worse. They're trying. Yeah. <laughs> it it's just. It's going to be really interesting too, just to see what happens, you know, with with these teams, you know, assuming they can get to the playoffs, who's available, and just the the type of push that you need to make. Because you know, say whatever you will about where the Lakers are right now, and you know, they they pushed in all their chips to get Anthony Davis. They then pushed in all their chips to get Russell Westbrook, and you know, they had been proactively clearing the decks for a couple years to bring in LeBron. So there was a, you know, a lot of just constant turnover and proactive change, but they have a title to show for it. So if sure. nothing else, the LeBron AD era will pay for itself. You guys are in a weird place right now where I wouldn't fault the Clippers for any of the moves that they made, but it was big swings to bring in George and Kawhi, and you have to win a title for that to be considered successful. Yeah, and don't answer that yet. Uh, let's talk about that. And then you guys have, uh, I believe, a game that we can all play uh, next. We'll do all of those things next. Absolutely. Will, talk to us about these Bill Bars, though. I am starving while you record this podcast. What on earth could I eat right now? Well, if, you're, <laughs> if you're listening to Locked On Lakers and Locked On Clippers, you probably heard us talk about Bill Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. But what you might not know is that Bill Bar has so many delicious flavors. There's truly something for everyone. When you talk to a Bill Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bill Bar flavors, you're, you're missing actually out. Don't, the people who listen to our show, we never talk about the flavors. So this is new, new territory <gasps> for them. Please what? keep going. You got to talk about the flavors. They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate Ooh, yummy you want to know what my favorite flavor is what's that mint brownie you can't go wrong little mint little chocolate if you haven't tried all the flavors you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors look talk about the flavors not only are these bars the best tasting they're also healthy check out these macros each bar has 17 to 18 grams protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams sugar and only four to five grams net carbs amazing flavors all tasty all healthy and right now if you go to built.com and use promo code locked on you'll get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked on for 15 percent off at built.com well, you know, Andy, we've been the whole time we've been telling people they got one flavor, kale. No <laughs> <laughs> wonder we're not moving any built bars on our on our, on our show. They, they they keep angrily tweeting us at Cam Brothers. I I, I never understood why. Jeez, we should have been doing a better wrong. job. We, All right, we've been Andy, talking up the new wheatgrass flavor. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, oh, so 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 re- set up your question again? Just. 
What do you guys make of where the Clippers are right now with the big swings that they made to bring in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which was essentially a package move and directly connected to the Lakers because the Lakers had proactively cleared the decks in the beginning, absolutely thinking they were getting Paul George and LeBron. They, I think they were more sure for a little while about Paul George than actually LeBron, even though people thought both were a done deal. And then you may have noticed they uh, they spent a lot of that particular offseason waiting on Kawhi Leonard's decision, and he ended up going to the Clippers. And, you know, that that stung, and Rob Palenka had to scramble. And ironically, that was the season that he set up a title contender. But the Clippers still are not in a period where they've paid off those swings. And I, I feel like if they don't win a championship – what they did, however justified, and I, I don't think any of it was bad decisions at all, it, it's a failure. I Interesting. It's it, I feel so, like we're a Joe Ingles foul away from a championship. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, like that's just the game, right? Like you have to take a big swing if you want to even be in that contention. And, you know, like sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You know, we saw last season, like, don't get me wrong, the Suns are a great team and they're proving it again this year. But like health, was the biggest factor. And Absolutely. not that it isn't a factor every single season, but like since, you know, the health and safety protocols era, things are a little <laughs> bit different. And I think that like, you know, maybe the mathematics are a little bit different if you see the foresight of 2020, you know, like if you're if you're in that summer, that free agency looking into it with those eyes. But like my thing is is like this was, you know, I love this team, you know, like I, you know, we haven't really ever won anything, but like even getting to like a Western Conference Finals, that to me is like is a success oh. from where we had been. Oh come on, man! It's look. so cute. It's such, such an adorable little accomplishment of Western Conference Finals. It is, and so that's what we have to put. Does so the banner wrap all the way around the arena when, when you guys put it up there? Here's where it's difficult because as a fan, we love the Western Conference Final appearance. We're hyped. We you know we got the Terrence Mann game in that in you know the series before and all that good stuff. <laughs> But in the grand scheme of things, the swing is for a chip, right? right? You don't you don't do any of this. Balmer's not buying this team to go to a Western Conference final. Um, and things that we've heard is the team thinks the window is a, a little longer than maybe I think uh, most of us do. Like I I think it's seventeen got, years. <laughs> yeah, we got next season for sure. If we run everything back the way the contracts are set up, pretty much the core is locked up and I'm happy with that roster for sure. The year after that, it gets a little dicier, but the way the contracts are set up, we're still good. All hell breaks loose three seasons from now, I think in terms of what could possibly happen. Um, but I and mean, there like is a said, DEFCON zero situa situation, even this free agency. Like, if you lose Nick Batum, like, you know, if, if Morris is injured or something, like if you can't, it, you know, if you can't, retain all of this talent or you know you can't improve the roster or we don't get the growth it's not linear from some of these other roster guys like Luke Kennard or Terrence Mann whose growth has not been linear this year like once again that starts to compress that window even further or we trade for Rondo again you know maybe ship off a fan favorite you mentioned Terrence Mann like I was saying the other day when we were talking about uh the trade deadline in THT like kind of reminding people every team has a THT 
they right. have a guy that you know they think has a lot of potential that they made some investments in you know Lakers financially other teams with time or whatever <laughs> exactly um and like for the clippers that's Terrence Mann like everybody everybody thought though that he's going to break out this year i don't from you know the i've watched some clippers games and been sure. terrible just hasn't but he's, broken out people thought people before the season were asking us legitimately sincerely if he could be a most improved player candidate and we were like no <laughs> he's not going to average 20 plus and seven plus which is what most most improved mm-hmm. players average on those years like you know the 39 point game against utah was amazing and we saw a comet flash across the sky <laughs> at that moment but He's he's older than Luke Kennard, which is weird to think about. <laughs> um, yes, and it's, it's not true. because Luke Kennard's twenty two, right? No, it's I wish, um, <laughs> but it's and that's kind of you know that goes to Luke because Lou figured Luke out Kennard how to max forty. Yes, was that possible? <laughs> um, and that goes to Ty Lue, right? Like it took some time to figure out Luke Kennard in the system, um, and now Terrence Mann. Like if everyone's healthy, Terrence Mann is kind of near the the end of this roster. Um, if when Kawhi and PG come back, like which is pretty interesting, but I mean Jerry West likes him, so you know we'll, we'll wow, ride kudos with that for now. Luke Kennard for still being twenty five. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Jerry West likes him. You, you you're bringing up some salt in the wounds right now. I don't know if you saw Sam <laughs> Amick's piece in the Athletic, but we uh, didn't. I didn't know that it was like that between Jerry West and the Lakers. That is borderline. Like I was very surprised he was just emptying the clip. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't it, at all. I'm surprised he, he he probably didn't empty the clip, which is, <laughs> is really what he, he's got. Well, I mean, I don't blame the Lakers for everything that's going on here. I think there's there is a side to every story, sure. Um, and the Lakers were smart not to tell theirs in this yeah. in this feature <laughs> because picking a fight when you're three games under 500 with Jerry West is a bad idea. You're gonna lose. Um, but you know he is. He is not a happy person um, dispositionally. And he's so, a serious man. He, yeah, but he's seriously unhappy. Like, I know serious people who are happier than he's just nothing. He's just not a happy guy um, yeah. in ways that are both fascinating and kind of depressing. Um, but before we go, enough about Jerry West. <laughs> the logo. What's he? What have you ever done for anyone? Um, you guys got a game. Let's play a game real quick. I like this. Yes. So every Friday we play Love Mary Quarantine. Uh, very topical. And as such as it seems like the Clippers and Lakers are headed into a stressful for everybody on this podcast play in matchup. Oh, God. Where it's going to be hell. Um, say that now until the Lakers lose to Portland <laughs> beginning of that, <laughs> that whole thing. What a time to be alive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the Clippers are going to trade Nick Batum and Avica Zubats for a point guard. Um, so <laughs> we're doing alternative ways the Clippers and Lakers could face off in a play-in without having to play basketball. Um, we have. So you're going to pick one of these to love, one of these to marry. That's your whole life. Uh, and quarantine, get it the hell away from you. We have. Team hot dog eating contest. Each team picks one person to participate in a hot dog eating contest. Whoever wins, you move on. Um, we have a trip to Vegas. Each team picks one player. You give them 1000 bucks. Whoever comes back with the most money, that team goes to the next round. And then this one is a Will Updike classic, a GM fist fight. I think I know who has the edge in this one. It's Rob Palenka versus Lawrence Frank. Winner goes to the next round. Uh, Kamenetsky brothers, what are you going with? <laughs> 
Andy, um, I, I am going to love the trip to Vegas um, because I think this is where some of the Lakers veterans could really shine. Um, sure. <laughs> I feel like they know what they're doing. Um, you know, I, I, I feel very confident sending Melo to Vegas. Um, I just feel like he <laughs> yes. knows what to do when he gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's got a gun. He's well, they just you know, LeBron is probably pretty well set up in Vegas. I think just I feel comfortable with that. So I, that's what I'm going to love. Um, I'm kind of I, I might marry the, the the GM fist fight because I think Rob Palinka is significantly taller than Lawrence Frank. Oh yeah, takes <laughs> care so of his got, body. I think if you've ever he's seen got Lawrence Frank in person, <laughs> definitely takes care of his face. Yeah. <laughs> My, what if he's a total disaster though? Like like he's like one of them skinny fat people. Um, like right. he's completely out of shape. <laughs> um, no, but I think Rob's in pretty good shape. I know he's got reach on Lawrence Frank, so I think the GM fist fight probably does favor the, favor the Lakers uh, because as much as Palenka probably doesn't want to be punched in the face, I don't think Lawrence <laughs> Frank can reach it. So um, that's good, and I am I am quarantining the hot dog eating contest. I think the Lakers would just get smoked in that. I don't know who I'd point to to say, you, go eat a lot of hot dogs. I mean, unless sound. it's THT, the team's too old, man. Like, they're in the antacid state. Right now, like none of, none of them can handle half the eating. team is vegan. I think. <laughs> oh, very good point. Yeah, and yeah, these are all beef. This is this is a real hot dog eating contest. Yeah, that, I think Brian Brian laid this out exactly as I would have. So kudos, right. Will. What are you going with? I am. Oh man, I so I'm loving the GM fist fight. I I got it. I don't know that I like our chances as much in that one, but I think I think there's a possibility. Lawrence Frank tags Palinka a good one, and Palinka just says no, Moss, no, I, no, I, thank I, you. No, I think it's the I, opposite. I'm good. I'm good. Palinka goes full like Brad Pitt and Fight Club, shirtless. <laughs> like th- this is an opportunity to win a fight and show off the goods. But perhaps Lawrence Frank there. tricks him with some poetry, or sure. you know. Yeah, well, a reading a, a, a reading of an obscure economist from the nineteen thirties. I'm gonna read you common sense. <laughs> uh, I got I gotta marry the trip to Vegas. Uh I think I think there might be some sharks on this Clippers roster. I I would trust Man, I would definitely trust Nick Batum with some of my money. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, I, I think that he is like one of those guys who kind of reads a table probably pretty well. Uh, a guy I'm not giving the money is definitely Reggie Jackson. That I mean, that money's gone. Uh, that money's gone. Water, I feel like, like yeah. Isaiah Hartenstein could lose a lot of your money at the table. Oh, so like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't seem it like be a gone. reliable, it, it'd be the fastest. <laughs> yeah. It would be the fastest to lose it. Um, I'm also going to quarantine the hot dog eating contest. I'm not opposed to it i just don't know who can really put them away like that maybe zoo okay i think zoo could do it yeah i'm loving the hot dog eating contest <laughs> luke canard's from ohio that seems like borderline the birthplace of hot dog eating contests i don't know why but it feels like it is i feel like he's got some <laughs> eating competition chops maybe um he's won a I'm, couple blue ribbons for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh i'm i think i'm marrying the trip to vegas and I would put it maybe with a young guy. I like Brandon Boston Jr.'s confidence. Why oh, not? No. You know? Oh, no. Oh, no. Swing Bad for idea. the fences. Bad idea. <laughs> um, it'd be either him or maybe Ty Lue if we could do coaches too. I would maybe I would maybe let Ty Lue gamble. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Anybody who I got, played NBA stakes poker, they know what they're doing. With Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> he learned a couple things. <laughs> yeah. And then I got a quarantine the fist fight because I I think A, I think Polinka wears the ring from the championship. <laughs> Ooh. Which doesn't help anything. Yeah. And point. I think I think Lawrence You guys have maybe, a ring for that Western Conference Finals appearance? Do they <laughs> yeah. get rings for that? We just, have, we just have hard at hey, whoa, you got us on wait, the Lakers have more championships? Um, <laughs> That's right. The Lakers won a championship? <laughs> kind of a sensitive issue, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've been so close so many times. Um but I think Lawrence Frank does the thing where he really trains like he's like i'm gonna take a week i'm gonna like lock myself in you know with a ufc master and it you know he pays him too much and they say you're doing great lawrence and then he gets into the ring <laughs> and his hands are down and he's leading with his head and it's just over so um, you're thinking this is like a cage like a like a sanctioned kind yeah, of a fight? A fight. i was just thinking it was like an alley behind crypto either way lawrence frank is losing that too <laughs> yes i tend to agree or he I will say, it's almost guaranteed that if cheating is allowed, Rob Palenka would be better at cheating than Lawrence Frank. Sure. Yeah. Well, he saw oh, the yeah. Dark Knight before anybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, all right. So I, we we have to wrap up this respective crossover. This was so much fun. Yes. This, oh, was, this is awesome, man. We looking forward to time, doing God. it again to preview the play-in game. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? So uh, on our respective Monday episodes, you know, we have to play the Bucks on Sunday. So we're going to recap what will no doubt be a scintillating matchup with uh, uh, the Bucks. Um, we're going to do the freshies. We talk about the new guys. What does Locked On Lakers do on their Monday episodes? Uh, we will be reacting to uh, the Lakers game against the Knicks, which has truly become, no, seriously, must win. Like, <laughs> You guys better win this. Uh, like, hopefully, you want, are you trying to play Portland? <laughs> like, we will hopefully have Is updates on Carmelo Anthony, who left the game with a hamstring injury. Hopefully have some updates on LeBron coming back. Hopefully this stuff is good because the Lakers cannot afford to go down uh, personnel any more than they already have. I'll tell you something. Nothing heals faster than a 37-year-old's hamstring. So <laughs> looking forward to updates on that. Uh, we're in a deep and deeply cynical place when it comes to this season. Uh, expecting bad things to be happening all the time. I suspect Carmelo might have to have his leg amputated before the end of the weekend. Um, Alright, well this is fun. Thank you guys for doing it. Check out Locked On Clippers. Uh, check out Locked on Lakers. Uh, thank you for making both of these shows your first listen oh, yeah. of every day. I know that doesn't make sense, but we appreciate you trying. Uh, and uh, we'll see everybody on Monday.